A man is flying in a hot air balloon and realizes that he is lost. He reduces height and spots a man below. He lowers the balloon farther and shouts, Excuse me, can you tell me where I am? The man below says, Yes, you're in a hot air balloon hovering 30 feet above this field. You must be an engineer, says the balloonist. I am, replies the man. How did you know, kind sir? Well, says the balloonist, everything you've told me is technically correct, but it's no use to anyone. The man below says, You must be in management. I am, replies the balloonist. But how did you know? Well, says the man, You don't know where you are or where you're going, but you expect me to be able to help. You're in the same position you were before we met. But now, it's my fault. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. It's pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show, and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Unfortunately, can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And that is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Depani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Well... So my wife and I decided to go to this uh, steakhouse, and it's at the top of this, like, building. It's got, like, this nice lookout. It, it's Ruth Chris. Have you ever heard of that place? Yes, that's one. That's the best steak I've ever had. Well, so we went there, and the elevator that gets to the top was broken. Okay. And so we were going to have to walk all the way up, and so we decided to go somewhere else. And so... Um, got in the car, was driving. I was singing uh, Wonder Wall. Oh, by Oasis. All right, there you go. Yeah, and she told me to stop singing it, and so I said maybe. Oh, boy. And then, and, and then uh, anyways, we were driving and went to another place, and uh, it wasn't as nice as Ruth Chris Steakhouse, but it was still pretty nice. You still had to go up. It was like up on top of a building, so... You still had to go, and you had to get in the elevator. And it was actually a pretty sweet elevator. Like, uh, got in there. Instead of, like, the cheesy elevator music, there was, like, Def Leppard playing. 
Okay. And, you know, it's like rock stuff. And then there was like a mirror all around it and lights all around the, the elevator, like around the mirrors, like these like neon lights. It was pretty cool. Anyways, got all the way to the top, went and um, so I ordered a, a sandwich, like a steak prime rib sandwich. It was amazing. Had mayonnaise on it and uh, some, I think it was like a homemade, what do they call that homemade mayonnaise? Like the fancy name for it. What do you call that? Like aioli or something like that? Oh, yeah. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, something like that. It had like fresh peppers and piled high. Man, that meat was so good. Cheese. It was incredible. And so ate that with my wife. Then we uh, headed out. Went back down that that sweet elevator. I think they were playing like um, some Bon Jovi on the way down. Anyways, got down, got in the car, went to Walmart, and my wife says, "Hey, can you pick up some bottles of Sprite for us? We needed like seven, or or sorry, we needed six, <laughs> we needed six uh, bottles of Sprite." And so I, I went and I, I picked seven up instead. Oh, oh. Oh, fail. Oh, you failed. <laughs> I saw you wince when you said seven, and I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Oh. So anyways, that's not the actual end of the story. Sure, sure, sure it's not. So what but, I wanted to really highlight was the elevators, though. Don't you have any more Oasis Wait. references to toss in here? I mean, what's the story, <laughs> no. Morning Glory? Come on. So well, you caught that. So um, anyways, two elevators. One was not working. And we couldn't go to uh, Ruth Chris Steak House. And the other elevator was, you know, it was just amazing. Was working, got us to the restaurant, got our sandwich and all that stuff. So, you know, cool thing about stories that have elevators is that they, 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 they work on many levels. Yeah, I'm still just laughing that you butchered one of your jokes. He's not a perfect dad jokist, or whatever that term is. I don't know. I'm, 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 to- I'm coining that term, jokist, dad jokist. Dad jokist. Dad That's jokist. He's off his game. It's off, off his dad joke. game, man. I messed it up, dude. Messed it up. Oh. Well, make seven up yours. Wow, that's an old one, isn't it? Okay, yeah. well, um, mine's not too fancy. It's actually uh, like a leftovers type sandwich. When you you take leftovers and you make it into a sandwich, but um, I got uh, some. We had fried chicken before, so I had some fried chicken that I kind of, you know, cut up the chicken breast uh, with all the fried chicken stuff on it, and uh, put that between um, two slices of toasted Italian bread, and then um, I actually put some. Do you know um, what is it uh? So at Chick-fil-A, they have, uh, what is their, their uh, it's like their tangy mustard, whatever. It's like the Chick-fil-A, I don't know if it's, honey mustard. Uh, they have a, Chick-fil-A has a honey mustard sauce. So I had some of that. I put a little bit of that on top of it as well. And, um, and that's it. I mean, it really, I, I made like lettuce and stuff on it and a tomato, but but that was really good. That was just my, my simple old uh, fried chicken leftover with, you know, honey mustard on it on toasted Italian bread. But hey, man. Did you have any leftover? Fancy. It was good. Did I have any leftover of that? No, I ate all uh, of that. Uh, we so didn't have too much of it left over, so the kids really like uh, fried chicken. So when your you wife asked you for leftovers, you you couldn't say, 
I said maybe. Oh, no. Oh, oh I don't he's, really uh, want to know. That, that, yeah. <laughs> There's going to be people here that have never heard Oasis. <laughs> yeah. Just not get any of those jokes. But uh, Well, tell them not to look back in anger. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. We're going to move on. We're going to move True on. True story, though. Oasis used to be like my favorite thing really? like, when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. That was like my my first like get into rock music was like a, okay. a cassette of uh, of uh, what's the story Morning Glory and their first album definitely maybe. Oh wow! I did I did not peg you as a. I guess that kind of makes sense. I think you were a Weezer fan back in the day too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I liked the, the Blue Album. Yeah, That's Blue good. Album. Weezer. Yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of that whole era of kind of garage ish grunge rock a little bit that was. Uh, post-Nirvana, yep. but it was good. Okay, anyway, now that we're, like, showing how old we are. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to bring back a uh, little bit of a segment here. Uh, it's, it's generally a segment where we don't have uh, an actual name for it. Oh, no, you know what? I'm going to make an intro for this. I got an intro. Here we go. We're going to do this as an intro. What time is it? Time for you to shut up! <laughs> okay. So this is a uh, town hall meeting uh, with uh, representatives there for, uh, for the particular uh, city. It's in Texas, actually. And uh, everybody's mic'd up. Um, and uh, well, well, you'll, you'll see what happens. At one point, uh, this lady's talking. The uh, mayor gets up. And, uh, well, here, just listen. Item R. And this is uh, Ms. John Rowe. Thank you, Mayor. I'll try and keep this brief. Um, I won't belabor all the details. I'm sure most of you remember Mr. Guest's presentation from last time, and I imagine he's going to hit some of the highlights here in a minute. Um, but I do want to just say that if your life has not already been touched by an antibiotic-resistant disease, it probably will be at some point. Uh, my mother has fought a MRSA infection. I have a high school friend whose three-year-old son almost died from C. diff, and he will be dealing with the consequences of that for the rest of his life. But the thing is, just just wait for it. Just wait for it. You'll know. Okay, I was like, okay. You'll know. That these deadly infections, there's something we can do about it. And what we can do is call on represent, uh, governmental representatives that are higher <laughs> up the chain of command. <laughs> And ask for action at the federal level. Um, I am um, aware of Mr. Brainerd's concerns that he raised last time, and there were there would be instances where I actually agree that we should take action locally first. But this poor lady, there are not any um, KFO operations in Georgetown, so for us to just say it within the city limits would be. <laughs> Uh. Would be an empty gesture. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh, this the mayor's walking back in now. And also, these diseases. <laughs> he has no don't idea. Don't know any boundaries. So, a state by state approach would just mean that the. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be oh, clusters of disease that would. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. 
<laughs> would go across the border. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking now and ask that you give this serious consideration and approve this resolution. <laughs> serious serious consideration and approval. Yeah. So. Uh, oh man. Yeah. This. This. Uh, <laughs> this poor mayor too. So he leaves his mic on. He goes to the bathroom. You hear the whole thing, and he walks back in, and everybody's looking at him. And she's trying to keep a straight face, and then somebody, I think, leans over and tells him that uh, he had his mic on the whole time. But oh, great! Anyway, I thought that was uh, somewhat of a comical, appropriate little. I've heard of that happen many segment. times. I've heard it happen at a church. Oh yeah, it happened. Uh, there was a school I used to work at, and the uh, um, administrator was doing chapel at one point and uh, left his mic on, went to the bathroom, and yeah. I don't know if I told this story before on here. I think. Uh, there was a, uh, a time I was at a church we were visiting, and uh, it was a Baptist church, and so they they had like a uh, you know in their order of worship a time for like a deacon prayer or something like that, mm-hmm. and so they sang a song and on the bulletin it's like deacon prayer, and there was an old man, probably I don't know how old he was you know eighties he's got, he's walking with a cane, and he's all the way in the back of the church and so. He has to walk all the way down the aisle. I mean, this is like in front of everybody. It takes him a good, you know, a good minute to walk all the way down the aisle. It's like somebody should have told him to go beforehand to be ready to go up there to right, pray. Right. But he walks down the whole aisle and then he gets up onto the platform and he leans into the microphone. Now, what happened, we in the audience did not know because we couldn't tell. But he told it later is that when he leaned into the microphone, there was like some kind of static electricity or something that went from the microphone to his mouth and it shocked him. Ow. And so he said the S word <laughs> over the microphone. Oh, man. And then he got embarrassed and went and sat down. So this is what it actually looked like an old man walking down the front <laughs> of the church. <laughs> <laughs> getting up on the microphone and dropping the S word and then sitting down. Oh, that's what it looked like to everybody oh, else. That poor guy. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. 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 I, I was looking uh, through for, for this, um, this clip. I looked through a lot of, uh, you know, didn't know Mike was on. I can't remember what I was searching for on YouTube. And there was, there was a lot of funny stuff, but I thought that one was, yeah. was pretty, pretty humorous. It was kind of, kind of lighthearted. At it's least. It's always a good reminder, you know, that the, uh, <laughs> Open mics, like open mic night, but here with this is a good reminder that um, there is always someone watching our speech, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a good reminder that, hey, we're going to give an account for every careless word the Bible says. So you were you were about to say, I think you were about to tell everybody our topic of the episode. So go ahead. Well, yeah, I think you kind of you kind of gave it away there, but uh, well, I'm sure the uh, it's the Oasis, just, right? It's Oasis. <laughs> we're right? talking about Oasis we're just, the whole time. We're just talking about <laughs> yeah, so, we're okay. talking about Oasis. No, uh, well, I actually don't know what I'm going to name this episode yet. Um, probably just violence of speech is my guess. But uh, yeah, this was our our next one on our um, Men of Violence uh, tour here that we're doing, and we thought we would talk about uh, both when not to talk and also when to talk. Um, so I, I will let you actually take it from here because this one was, uh, I, I believe this one was your idea, wasn't it? I think when we were coming up with this episode. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things we, we recognize, it, it is, it's interesting as we think about men of violence and we talk about our speech, 
and violent speech. You know, everybody, everywhere we go now, everybody's hyper aware of violent speech and and violent speech then is anything that we don't like, right? Well, hate, so, well, they say hate speech. That's what hate we're speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they call it violence. Uh, uh, I remember when Doug Wilson did a talk at Blooming in Bloomington at Indiana University IU, and people were saying we like free speech, but this is hate speech and this is violence, and they were they were shouting about how violent it was, what he was doing, and if you've ever watched that. I think it's called a uh, 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 sexual by design or something like that. I think I've and seen that one. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think you can find it on YouTube. Just go find <laughs> it. And it's so interesting that they call it violence and, and hate speech because yeah. uh, he's so soft spoken in it. Um, <laughs> and so thinking about words, thinking about uh, violence of words, there's actually some truth to that. In that our words are weapons. You you know the passage about uh, uh, we don't use carnal weapons, right? Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 4. So here's what it says, right? Uh, Now, and this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, The Apostle Paul here gets kind of accused of being a soft-spoken man in person and being a little bit different, I mean, and then in his writing being uh, different. So he's accused almost of being like two-faced here. It says, Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face-to-face with you, but bold towards you when absent, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. So he's saying, yeah, you accuse me of not being bold when I'm with you. I'm, I'm soft-spoken. I'm a, a man of few words, if you want to put it that way. And um, But then he says, I'm, I'm pleading with you, don't make me have to be bold. <laughs> don't make me have to come down there. <laughs> if you read 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, the whole book of 2 Corinthians, it is a spanking and a half. <laughs> I mean, it is. But anyway, so that's what he's saying. Don't make me come down there. And then this is where you get the part I was wanting to highlight. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Now, the reason I bring this up is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I think the King James says are here, not of the flesh, new American standard. But we do have weapons and they are divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses, speculations and lofty things. What are the we- what are the weapons he's talking about here? It's it's words, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's more than words. It's our prayers. It's our example. But among that, in the whole context of the thing, it's words. It's his soft spoken in public, but his writing to them. It is the use of words, and so words are warfare, right? You know that whole phrase: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." <laughs> words are warfare, though. And, you know, a, a, a word can actually, it can do quite a bit of damage. 
one of the things I always tell um, mothers is to be very careful on how they speak to their sons in particular. Like if you berate your sons all the time and nag them and they're younger, you, you create in them a, uh, a kind of a uh, insecurity, uh, not knowing which way to go, and you, you tear down their masculinity where you're trying to build them up. So words are like that. So when we think about men of violence and words then, it is important then we know how to use words. We know that words are uh, tools that God's given us. And therefore, our speech matters. And you were you were reading to me a few verses earlier, uh, Tony, about our speech that I think maybe maybe once you bring those up and kind of bring those into the conversation. You're talking about the one from James or the one we were reading from? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, James. Yeah, let me bring that up here. <clears throat> yeah, uh, James chapter three, I think, is what I was reading to you before we started. Um, let me find it. All right, let me start in, so chapter 3, verse 3 is where I'm going to start. It says, Indeed, we put bits in horse mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Yeah, so we have this uh, these passages that remind us that our tongue, small little thing, yet it is powerful. It's like a weapon. Or it's a flame of fire. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you think about weapons. You think about guns. Um, uh, you think about what just happened with, like, Alec Baldwin, right? Yeah, that's tragic. <laughs> yeah, Bad handling of the gun, of the weapon, and somebody got injured. Mm-hmm. Well, the scriptures are all just chock full of reminders of our weapons, and in particular our tongue. Right, and that's why yeah, that passage you read at the beginning, um, where many words are, there's much sin, and uh, so we live in a place and a time, I think, of many words. Like it's all over social media. We're all over, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook. Everybody has to voice their opinions all of time, um, and you know that phrase, uh, a man of few words. Don't we don't quite hear that often said about people Not anymore. anymore? Yeah, that's for sure. Now, hey, did you know where that that phrase originated at? No. So I, I, I it's it's a, it's been around for at least four hundred years, and so William Shakespeare used it in fifteen ninety nine in King Henry, hmm. and he said he hath heard that men of few words are the best men. Wow, I didn't know um, that. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I I I would imagine though it seems almost the way it's said he has heard that he heard the before. phrase probably exists it, it it predates that for sure yeah so bringing this around as we think about men of violence in our words then one of the things we need to begin thinking about is how do we use our speech and how does the Bible call us to use our speech and then um, one of the things we need to learn then is when to speak and when not to speak. So uh, I think we're going to go to an interview here with uh, one of my elders, and he has put some thought into this, and in particular lately about uh, when to speak and when not to speak. And he's he's kind of a, a man of few words, but I think he'll be very helpful to us. So Yeah, I do too. I've been, I've been really impressed with uh, 
what he, let's say what he said online, but also impressed with what he's not said online. When a lot of other people are chirping about something, you know, uh, he he holds his tongue at times, or he said something with fewer words than other people does, and a lot of times it's far more impactful than somebody who writes you know paragraphs on it. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be on the line with Aaron Sabi. So stick around. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Hi guys, this is Henry, with an I. Just, you know, wanted to let you guys know, um, I mean, let you men know, yeah, uh, that if you want some manly man merchandise, you can, you know, head over to confessionalware.com and click on podcast collaborations to, you know, get some manly, wah, patriarchy merchandise. It'd, you know, be a good idea if you didn't smoke cigars or anything worldly like in their logo, but, uh, you know, it's good to support manly stuff. Uh, like my pastor, Pastor Deborah, always says, behind every manly man, there's a manly woman. Oh, no, that's that's not how it goes. Oh, uh, if the man is the head of the marriage, then there's a woman with her hand on his neck. Uh, no, no, that's not it either. Well, anyways, go support the Patriarchy Podcast and buy some merchandise at confessionalware.com under podcast collaborations. I'll uh, figure out what Pastor Deborah said, uh, you know, the next time I see her at Yoga for Jesus class. So, uh, yeah. Bye. on the line with Aaron Sabi. Aaron is an elder at Sovereign King Church. He owns his own business, Amen Team Services, and he is married to his wife, Kelly, of 20 years, and together they have three children. Aaron, you've been on before, so welcome back to the Patriarchy. Hello, thanks for having me. Okay, so Aaron, normally Joseph asks a funny question here, um, but I'm going to take a turn, and I'm going to ask you, do you have any dirt on Joseph since you're on the air here? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I can give you some dirt if you'd like. Oh, I don't no. know if you've uh, if it's been revealed to you before, but uh, I would research the name Tiki Joe if you don't know about that. Oh, we do. And, uh, oh, we do. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I wasn't prepared to slam one of you tonight, so <laughs> hey, we're we're talking about uh, when to speak and when not to speak, so. <laughs> That's, oh. that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, well, Aaron and brother, it's good to have you. Um, we wanted to have you on. You are kind of a, a, a man of few words, and yet when you do speak, I think it, it, it is, it, it's important that people listen. And, and in our church, I think that's what people would think. Um, but you've been thinking about at least – in order to talk with us about speech and when to talk and when not to maybe kind of give us a little bit about the biblical background, you know, what have you been thinking about speech and that kind of thing? Well, um, I would say the first thing that comes to mind when I think about 
when to speak, especially if we're talking about um, sharing the gospel or trying to teach some principle from Scripture, is do I have authority to be opening my mouth on this subject? Um, and I think of Matthew 28, where Jesus said, All authority has been given to him under heaven and on earth. And go, therefore, and make disciples, teaching the nations all that I have um, taught you. And so that would be probably my, my guiding principle on whether, you know, when, when do I open my mouth and when do I keep it closed? Do I have authority in this uh, situation to, to be speaking into this situation? And um, kind of along with that, um, you know, there's, there's a, a passage, a verse in James where it talks about, um, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so I guess for me is, it is, do I have the authority to be speaking in this situation? And am I listening and understanding the issue in order to be able to give a proper response? And so that, so along with having authority, I would say, um, when you open your mouth to speak, you need to, you need to understand the issues. You need to be well versed on the subject. Um, and especially in issues of theological matters, uh, salvation, the gospel, um, I need to be sticking with Scripture, and I need to let God, God's words, be the one speaking, and not my opinions. So that's that's kind of, of how I approach uh, when I when to open my mouth and when to when to keep it closed. So, you know, one of the things that you said there is that. Uh sticking the scripture and, and well let me back up the the question do i have authority here so how do you answer to that like what, what what's the thinking so put that for our listeners the men that might not be pastors and elders are you saying if you don't have an office you can't speak or are you talking a bit more different than that no i'm i'm, I'm speaking um as christians in general um if you look at for instance proverbs 31 we're told to open our mouth for those that are um unfortunate that we're to open our mouth for those that are, are uh, uh, being oppressed. We're to, we're to vindicate the weak and the fatherless, to do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. We're called to speak truth. We're called to, um, uh, you know, we're called to speak with, with wholesome words coming out of our mouth, good for the edification of, of, of other believers. And so, um, for instance, in the in the context of the local church, uh, if I'm a if I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian man, and I see a brother stumbling into sin, um, it is my duty uh, as a Christian, as a person that says that they love their brother in Christ, it is my duty to open my mouth to them and to and to call them to repentance and to point them back to Christ. Uh, and that goes for a pastor, an elder, a deacon. And, and in every other lay person within the church, this is not this is uh, speaking the truth and having the authority to speak truth isn't necessarily confined to the the uh, professional ministers in the church. Would would you say that like as far as authority, you know, having some knowledge of the situation, being in a place of like uh, of relationship, I guess. I mean, I think that could be overdone, but uh, of the person you're going to be talking to. So that what you say carries weight is—is is that kind of what you're you're saying? Yeah. So I, I thought of two examples um, 
for instance, um, if I was to walk into church Sunday morning and walk up to one of the ladies in the church and tell them, that's a really nice head covering you're wearing, but you need to start wearing uh, blue ones only because that's what I like. Um, I would not have the authority to <laughs> speak to them in that way and tell them that they can only wear blue head coverings. But if I was to, to in general, speaking to the women of the church, point them to the scripture that, that says the women are to be covered in the church, I would I would have some degree of authority to, to speak that passage to them in a general way. Um, but also doing that with their husband in mind, probably speaking to them first, probably speaking, you know, and teaching him the principle in scripture that women ought to be, uh, wear a certain, uh, wear, wear head coverings. But the color and the style, and I would not have the authority to to impose that upon uh, someone in the church. Um, and then I think of another situation where I, I see this all the time. I see it on social media, especially where a pastor will post, where he'll, he'll make a post, and then you'll have every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and and housewife on planet Earth wanting to argue endlessly about a point with a pastor online that isn't even their pastor. And while they might have an obligation and a right to speak the truth as a Christian, there's a context and there's a there's a way they ought to go about doing it, which social media tends to kind of break down those those barriers. And uh, it almost it almost gives people the sense that they have the authority to speak to every circumstance and situation and subject that, that they so desire because they have they have a duty to speak truth. And, I, and, I, and they do have a duty to speak truth, but there's a way in which they ought to do that that gets totally destroyed online, I think, sometimes. So but that, that would be my, my, my example there to that. Their, their station of life. And what you made me think of yes. is, and we've talked about this passage before, Tony, with Job, when Job said, described himself before he was uh, afflicted, he described himself as like, a man speaking justice. And we usually talk about it from a picture of what a godly man of Job. Mm-hmm. But one of the yeah. things that happens when Job shows up is that the young men cover their mouths and hide themselves. Yep. Correct. And, and, and so some of this is just recognizing the station God puts you. And, and a lot of the, it would just, if we recognized ourselves and didn't think higher of ourselves than we ought to, we would probably cover our mouths and shut up a whole lot more. Things I had written down here is that, that kind of speaks to that is you need to be kind of self-aware. Like, what are your strengths? What is your knowledge base? What are your motivations? Um, are you considering the needs of the one to whom you're speaking? Are you giving honor to whom honor is due? And are you staying in your lane? You know, nobody in our culture wants to stay in their lane right now. Everyone is an expert. Everyone is a professional. Everyone is a theologian. And yes, it's true that every every Christian should be a theologian to a certain extent, but that's the way in which you know the the congregate sitting in the pew ought to communicate truth to a pastor. There, there has to be a, a, an awareness of of giving the honor to whom honor is due, and that is that is that breaks down in communication a lot uh, in twenty twenty one. So I've seen that happen online. Um, 
Well, I think I happen to might know the one of the pastors you're talking about, <laughs> where people jump on the comments here. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. Uh, but I've seen that happen online when um, people say anything about uh, men who've come before us. You know, even to like just tradition, church tradition, things that have happened for you know two thousand you know years in the church, and it's amazing. I guess amazing is probably not the right word. Uh, saddening to see many professing believers just outright dismiss it. Uh, without having, I don't know, any thought to it that maybe there's a reason, you know, that there are wiser, godly men for hundreds of years saying the same thing. Maybe I should, you know, not that tradition doesn't trump scripture. We've I mean, never said that, but that we should have some kind of pause when wise men have said something and agreed upon something for a long time. We should we should be able to sit under that teaching for a while. Um, it, it's that you know, Joseph is is messaging right right now about uh, G.K. Chesterton on, on tearing down a fence. Um, and sure. he's right, yeah. Um, so, okay, let, to move us forward here, uh, before we got on, or before we started recording, uh, you said that you had kind of a blueprint for speech. You've kind of outlined a little bit of it so far, but I know you said you had some bullet points, things that people sure. could follow, which is definitely something we like to do on the show to give our listeners some kind of practical um, things to take with them, things they could write down and kind of practice their day-to-day lives. So why don't you take us through your your blueprint, your bullet points, kind of tell us uh, um, what those are. Okay, uh, so I've already mentioned one about the, the authority, um, and, and kind of tied into that is, do I understand the issue? Am I well-versed on the subject? Um, am I giving my opinion, or am I am I dealing with facts? And so kind of flowing from that is, are my words truthful? Am I speaking the truth? Am I am I speaking clearly and concisely? Um, one of the big things, and you, you, I'm sure you see this online all the time, and I know that it's, as someone that street preaches from time to time, um, is my communication meant to glorify God or puff me up? You know, for instance, am I desiring to see the one that I'm conversing with truly enlightened, or am I merely trying to win? Um am I doing all the talking or am I listening? You know, as I mentioned earlier, um, we're to, we're to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. And I know that, you know, for instance, back to the street preaching example, sometimes I'm very quick to want to just keep street preaching and move past the heckler because you do get heckled so often that it's sometimes it's, it's like, I, I don't want to get bogged down in this, conversation because the last thousand times it, it went nowhere and so pridefully you'll keep wanting to talk rather than listen and so being willing to actually listen and, and know what the other person's saying and know what their argument is before responding and then you move into an area where okay I'm speaking the truth to this person whether it's a person on the street whether it's a co-worker whether it's a family member Maybe I've shared the gospel with my family members so many times, and it just always ends in contention and strife. You have to ask yourself, am I casting pearls now? Like, have I, have I moved into this realm where I'm casting pearls, and I'm actually doing more harm with the gospel than good here? Um, and then something that I think pastors and elders and just a lot of Reformed Christians in general have to be uh, cautious of Am I engaged in this conversation because I want to lead someone to Christ or because I enjoy the thrill of the fight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've got a, um, you know, there's a Vody Bauckham story. Maybe you've heard this before. 
where when he was in college and he was a new Christian, he had some uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons come to his dorm, and he didn't know how to respond to them the first time. And then they left, and he invited them to come back, and in the interim period, he studied a lot, and he said when they came back, he really cleaned their clock. And so after he got done dismantling their worldview, he went to his buddies on the football team who were Christians, and he told them about this. And one of them asked him a question. They, they, they said, well, are, are they going to come back and talk again? And he says, no way. No way. They're not coming back. And Vody's uh, friends responded to him, well, that's a shame, isn't it? And so using more words than necessary, wanting to, to win the argument rather than the person's souls, these are all things that we need to be aware of as we're speaking to people. Just, just an everyday conversation. Just, you know, it, it might not even be a gospel issue. Just, just to, to be charitable and, and show people grace and, and, you know, not have it always be about you. Uh, these things, I think, are helpful to, to keep, you know, kind of at the forefront of our mind as we're speaking to others. For sure. Actually, when you mentioned uh, street preaching, uh, that made me think of, there's a lot of people that, uh, oh, I'm going to, Oh, I know I'm going to get comments on this one, but um, it's it should be said. Um, people that go into abortion ministry, uh, there's unfortunately a lot of people that just want to convert folks to pro-life or abolition, whatever uh, term you want to use, uh, but they don't pay any attention to the gospel. I mean, I'm not, I, I, you know, you do street preaching, I do, Joseph does well. We We know that there's a you contend with the argument to get there with them, but then you end up have to lead them back to why their argument is sinful and what sin is sure. and what the gospel is. But it's it's a I'm glad we're talking about this because it's I think it's a common struggle for all men because we are built to fight and sometimes we enjoy it too much. A lot of times I think we enjoy it too much. And so we go looking for it and then when we find it, we just want to glory in it and uh, not even think about all the damage we're doing around us, which is kind of what, what you're saying there, too. Um, but uh, that Vody story, I'd actually not heard that one. That's a good story. Um, I, I Vody's a good guy. Um, so to move us a little further on down the line here on this, um, what would you say, let, let's make it more personal to some listeners here. What would you say to, there's, let's say we have a listener, I'm sure this is true, probably more people listening that are having a problem online. They're making too many comments um, and maybe they're just, they're, they're kind of looking for it. And they, they found that that has affected their actual life, not just their social media life, but their actual life. And now they're listening to this and they're listening to what you have to say. And they realize this is a problem. They have to do something about it. What would be your advice for them? Um, I would encourage them to realize that God's word does not return void. If, if there is people online or if there's issues online that they've, they've spoke truth to, they've shared the gospel with, they've, they've shared scripture with their friends online, and they find themselves constantly sucked into this void online, and it just seems like it's eating up their time, it's, it's leading them to anger, it's just proving itself to be pretty unfruitful from, from a social media online perspective. Um, 
I would just encourage them to realize that God's word does not return void. And also, I would encourage them to be humble because the reality is God does not need you. He, he will change the heart of, of people in his due time. He's the one that saves people. It's him who changes the times and the seasons. It's God who causes people to be born again. It's God who gives people new hearts. And he uses the gospel for that, but he does it in, their, in, in his timing, not ours. And so we can rest easy knowing that if we've spoken the truth to people in love, with, with gentleness and respect and standing firm upon God's word, God will use our faithfulness in that. But he's going to do it in his timing. And so we, we, we just need to be faithful and leave the results to God. And, and that's, that's pretty much the advice I would give. Um, it's not to flee from social media, although you might do that for a season to, to kind of get a kind of a reset on your perspective. But, um, you know, we don't want to give ground to the world and the devil in that arena. We need people being faithful online, speaking the truth. But, but just being humble, you know, the Bible says that God re- resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so being humble and realizing that, that God doesn't need your ministry, he doesn't need the words coming out of your mouth. He has faithful people all over the place speaking truth at the same time as you. And he's going to use you in, in, in the proper season. And if you're finding yourself constantly roped into these knockdown dragouts online, and you find yourself sinning in the process, Maybe it's, you know, consuming your, your family life and personal time. You need to step back. You need to realize that God doesn't need you. And you need to, you need to ask God to forgive you for um, your arrogance. And, um, and, and, and learn to be a listener. Maybe you can, instead of engaging online all the time, maybe you can just read the posts and try to learn from them and, and see where people are coming from. See, see find out where the, the point of contention lies. Maybe it's, maybe it's you. So that, that would be my advice to someone. Aaron, I, I have a follow-up question that's going to kind of um, go in an opposite direction. So a lot of this we've been talking about, really, almost when not to speak. But let's, let's talk now and give application, if you will, to the guy that's just afraid to speak. That And, and maybe he can talk big and bold on the, on the Internet, but uh, in his own life, talking to his wife or his children or somebody at church. What what encouragement advice um, do you give that man who who possibly just needs to speak? So you know it's 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 some type of irony, and you can probably relate to this in some ways. But you know when I when I put on a microphone to street preach, or I'm I'm serving on a Sunday morning, um, oftentimes those are very easy moments for me to to proclaim God's word and proclaim hard truths. Um, because I know, uh, all, like for instance, like when I'm street preaching, I've got other brothers there with me and it's an encouragement. Um, when I'm at church, I know that the people are going to be receptive. Um, and, and generally, I, I, at least not yet, no one has stood up in the middle of church and told me to shut up or anything. So, um, <laughs> which I'm thankful for. Uh, but, but, but I find it difficult in the one-on-one conversations with people, even today, uh, to share the gospel with people. Um, for instance, the, the the customer that's a homosexual, 
or the, the, the cashier at the McDonald's that, you know, is got piercings everywhere and tattooed up and, um, it, it can be intimidating. Um, but I would just encourage the person that is, is fearful to open their mouth in those situations to realize that again, like the guy that that's kind of maybe all in and he's, he's finding all this conflict. Um, God doesn't necessarily need you to, you know, give this person a Genesis to Revelation commentary on the Bible every time you speak to them. Simply, you know, this is going to sound probably, maybe I'll get some pushback on this, but sometimes just saying something nice to someone that, that's, that's difficult to speak to, that someone that maybe you're uncomfortable speaking to, just telling them that you're thankful for them. Thank God that, that God brought me uh, around you today. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be, be around you today. Just saying something to, to kind of break the ice and open the door to be able to, to, to share greater truths with this person. You know, when I, when I go into a customer's house, it would probably be foolish of me when they open the door and I'm there to, to you know, paint the wall to say, hey, you wicked sinner, you need to repent. I might want to build a rapport with this person, not not that I'm afraid to lose the job necessarily, but that's just a, a, a kind, gentle, welcoming, inviting thing to do, and I don't think that's contrary to sharing the gospel. Now, if you never get to the gospel, if you never share the gospel track with that tattooed, pierced-up uh, cashier, if I, if I never speak truth into the life of that homosexual uh, customer, if, if, if I never do that, then, then I'm being unfaithful. But, but, I, but, but this person that, that is fearful of ever opening their mouth, I would encourage them to just start off with baby steps. Just start off, you know, like Bill Murray in that movie uh, where, where he's, he's the, the needing to see the psychiatrist and he's just taking baby what steps. What about Bob? What yeah, about Bob? Yeah. Be Bob and what about Bob? And just take baby steps in, in faith. Knowing that God is going to use every one of those little things that you do as you're walking in faith, he's going to use that, he's going to bless that, and he's going to grow that like a little seed. And, you know, it was you, Joseph, that told me one time that, like in the workplace, for instance, you know, you're around these people every day, you know, realistically, unless you plan on getting fired tomorrow, you could be around these people for weeks and weeks and months, maybe years, put a pebble in somebody's shoe. You know, give them a little something, a little snippet to hold on to. When the guy, you know, um, you know, for instance, something I used to do in, in the in the break room at work, guys would be in there cussing their heads off and just going berserk and you know dropping you know GDs all over the place. And I would tell them, and I and I would say, look right at them, and I would say, yes, God does damn people to hell. You need to repent. And everybody would get quiet. But that was a little way that I'm pushing back on them. And I would say it kind of, you know, lightheartedly, but I'm deadly serious when I'm saying it. And a lot of times that would, from that would flow other conversations later in the day. So I would just say putting little pebbles in people's shoes, sharing a gospel track. You know, a gospel track is, is, a, is a powerful tool to, to use. Um, our children can give those away. The most, you know, docile, quiet Christian can give somebody a gospel track, and it literally takes zero courage to do that. And But you're still communicating the Word of God to someone. And if you're doing that, if it's, all, if it's just a gospel track, 
and you're doing that in faith, God's going to bless that. So that's what I would say to them. Amen, man. Um, well, hey, we, we always end our interviews by, uh, if anybody's been listening to this and they want to contact you, and I hope people do, um, and they want to get a hold of you, how can you tell our listeners how they could get a hold of you if they have more questions for you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm on Facebook. You can look up my name on Facebook. Um, you can go to Amen Team Services Facebook page. Um, uh, you can email me at asavy1976 at gmail.com. Um, those are probably about the best ways to, to get a hold of me. Good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on, Aaron. Thanks for uh, sharing your time with us. And uh, don't stop posting and not posting, I should say, because <laughs> it's been very encouraging, man. That was Aaron Sabe from Sovereign King Church. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Talking to Aaron actually reminded me of uh, something my dad used to always say when I was growing up. And it's one of those things that, as a young boy, I used to hate hearing it all the time. And it used to really grind on me. But then after I became an adult and I thought about it and it grew up and matured a bit, I realized he was really right. And so actually it was from from the book of James. Actually, Aaron referenced it, which is why I'm saying this. Um when James talked about that, uh, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. My dad used to kind of condense it down, and he used to he used to say that you should be uh, uh, slow to speak and quick to listen, and he would repeat that all the time. And and it used to, you know, as a boy, it just was like, oh, why is he always repeating this thing? But then the more I grew up, and the more you know, you run your mouth too much, especially as an adult, and you get yourself in trouble. Um, or you just say stupid stuff um, and you didn't listen enough, uh, the more, you know, it started to sink in. And uh, so, Dad, if you're listening, thank you. Um, And sorry that I always rolled my eyes at you when you said that. But um, it was a valuable uh, lesson. And sometimes you have to learn it by experience. I wish I would have learned it by listening, uh, which is part of what my dad was saying. But, yeah, that's what it reminded me of, what Aaron was saying. And those were... I think Aaron's message right now in particular is, in, in, I mean, it's always incredibly important, that message, but right now, man, with social media and just stuff going on and everybody's running their mouth right now and nobody seems to be listening to each other, um, I, I think this is a, a very timely interview. Yeah, it's the it's the guy, you know, well, everybody's running their mouth. It's the guy that's quiet. And then when he finally stands up and speaks says something and you know everybody listens that's mm-hmm. kind of the picture i mentioned that in our interview about job it's like here he comes into the room everybody shuts up because now they know if this guy is going to speak it's going to be important and that's the kind of violence of the word that we're trying to get at the violence of our speech but the words god gives us is our weapons now 
thinking about how we did it, one of the things that he he our uh, Aaron was saying to us made me think of uh, of the Greek way of talking of argument or speech. And so you, you probably remember Logos, Ethos, Pathos, and Kairos. Logos, like the bookstore? Yep. <laughs> Not Legos. Is that Not what you were like, saying? Logos. The, but there was a bookstore. Oh, uh, maybe you don't oh, have it. Oh, like are. the software, the software that you... Okay. Nope, there was a bookstore named that too, but yeah, there's a software. Anyway, I digress. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> this is when I should not have spoken. <laughs> Slow to speak. There you go. Shut up. <laughs> go ahead. The uh, So you have the Logos is the actual message. Like, it's the facts. You know, it's Ben Shapiro. Facts don't care about your feelings, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The problem is, and this is, I, I've seen some people talking about this rightly recently, recently is that as Christians, we only focus on the logos, the facts, the truth, but there's more to speaking than that. There's the there's the pathos, which is kind of the emotions, or it's actually a Greek word for suffering or experience. It's the feelings, and so yeah, it's true. The truth don't care about your feelings, but it's equally true that you, their feelings don't care about our truths, and we have to find ways that when we speak to also convey the truth in such a way that it does appeal to not only the mental capabilities, but the imaginations, the emotions, the feelings. And so part of learning how and when to speak is winning to know when what you have to say will actually connect with in, in a real way with the people you're going to speak. Uh, another one that ethos has to deal with the character and, and that gets to the thing that Aaron said about authority is that uh, the authority that we have in God to say something, also the authority of our character, of our station, of all those things is so important when we come to knowing when to speak and when not to speak, right? You might have the truth, you might even have a good story about it, but if your character doesn't match it, and the character doesn't match the actual situation that you're in, like you don't have the authority, it'll often be lost. And then the the last thing there is the kairos or the kairos, and that is refers to the right time or season or opportunity. And you know, a, a word in the right season is uh, the Bible has a, a a verse about it. The a word in the right season spoken. That's that's what we're looking for. And so you can have all these other things, but a word spoken out of time um, can often, again, be um, just it, it won't be taken wrong. It won't complete what you're trying to do. And so these these Greek concepts in mind, I think Aaron kind of summarized a lot of that in his thing. And obviously the Bible captures all these much better. But kind of uh, going in in line with that, kind of the last thing I want to say about our speech as weapons and as violence is as we've talked about violence on our show, everything serves a purpose, right? It, it, it has a higher purpose. We, we go to fight, not just because we like fighting, right? People like fighting. The Bible speaks against those who revile and are brawlers are not the kind of people that can be pastors, and they're, they're not God's kind of people. He doesn't want brawlers. But we do fight, but it has a purpose, for His glory and for love, 
And so that means you have to have faith for his glory and you got to have love for those you're speaking to. And then that, that'll come out in all the, those Greek concepts and all the, the, the principles. But one of the things I was thinking about uh, is, you know, how do we, sometimes it can just be very frightening to speak truth to somebody that you know and you care about. And um, if we're going to be really fighters and battling here, it must be done in love, but it has to have faith. And so sometimes, and I, I say this as a pastor uh, myself, I have to have faith, and this is going to sound silly, maybe even counterintuitive. You got to have faith to be wrong. You know what I'm? You know what I'm saying, Tony? Are you talking about Luther? What his quote? Yeah, said, yeah, said because that's a great one. Yes. Did we talk about that before? I think so. I think we've referenced it. Yeah. Yeah, so sin boldly means like, you know, have faith to, if, if you believe God's calling you to say something to somebody, to be wrong about it, you might be wrong. You might have thought you recognized the sin in them, and you, or you, you, there, you thought there was something going on that was wrong and, or a problem. And so you come upon somebody that you care about, you've got all these things about, and you're still afraid. Maybe I don't have the right. Tr- facts here. Maybe I don't have the right um, character. Maybe I, you know, we're always going to question and doubt ourselves on that. Maybe I don't have the right story or experience. And maybe it's not the right time. So we're always going to doubt all these things. And yet uh, we have to have faith, I think, to be wrong. A whole lot of my pastoral ministry is just faith to say something, even when I might be wrong. And then um, Lord willing, people I'm talking to will also love me and have faith for me to be wrong and be willing to hear and forgive me if I'm wrong. So uh, have faith to be wrong and then uh, speak. And so then the opposite of that is have faith to be right and shut up. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Just to hold your tongue. Sometimes it's better to just not say anything at all, or sometimes it's better to... Actually, one thing Aaron said that was, I think, really important was sometimes it's better to listen. Sometimes it's better to listen to what's going on, I think. Yeah, and even when you might be right. Right, correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you might have the truth, and you might have the right character. You might even have the authority, but what you might lack, you might lack the right timing. You might lack the the right experience, the connection. And so it's just not the right time to speak. And so sometimes when you have the truth, you sometimes have to have the right faith to know this is not the right time. I got to shut up and the right time will uh, um, make itself available. And so a lot of this, you know, like we always come around to is simply faith, faith to be wrong and still speak faith to be right and still shut up. So I think I'll end it with this. There's something that I do online. Hopefully I do it well enough. I know I don't do it perfectly, but some things I do online is if I'm going to, especially if you're in a comment thread with somebody, and I'm not too often on that. Um, I, I don't like to spend a ton of time online, but when I am, you find yourself in a comment thread. If I'm going to respond to somebody, there's sometimes where I will type it out, not in the app. I'll type it out elsewhere and I'll read it to myself and then I'll give myself five minutes and then I'll come back to it. And I'll say about half the time, 
I forget that I wrote it because I moved on to something else. And, and then I think about it much later and I think, well, if I forgot about it, it's not really that important and I don't need to say it. And sometimes I'll come back to it and I'll I'll read it again and I'll go, eh, you know, this this could be taken quite wrongly. Um, I, I probably should reword that because uh, all they're going to see is words. Maybe somebody doesn't know me. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just rethink it. So that's something I try to practice. Uh, hopefully it has helped me uh, in my online presence. Uh, I, I, again, not really online a ton. Uh, but, and if you're having trouble being online too much because uh, you're just you're saying too much, um, there are apps on your phone that you can get that actually limit your time. You could uh, check that on whatever app store you're on. But then I think that what you were talking about, Joseph, the opposite is um, the courage to speak sometimes. And uh, that one takes practice. Um, and and I think one thing that I found is you are... Well, we're talking about the sin boldly thing. Obviously, we're not talking about going out and just meaning to sin. But I, I kind of liken it to, you know, the whole prepper community, right? So there's there's guys out there that, you know, just want to be prepared to stock up on some stuff. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and I do that too. But then there are guys that are like, every day is Armageddon, and they're going to stock up and they're never they're never prepared enough. They're never in all of that, but they'll never actually go out and live a normal life. They'll never actually go out and talk to normal people. They'll never love their neighbors. They're probably a terrible husband. Um, and I kind of liken it to that as to where if you're just waiting until you feel like you are absolutely prepared for every argument or every objection or everything that somebody might say, you're never going to be prepared enough, and you you lack faith. And so. What Aaron said, and I think we'll end it on this, is, uh, you know, God's word says that his word never returns to him void. So pray, read the Bible, you know, speak in faith, speak carefully, limit your words, but just have faith. And if you mess up, you messed up, admit it and repent and learn from it and move on. But that's how I think is a good way to operate. Do you have anything to add to that? Dare I ask, Joseph? <laughs> uh, it's a good time for me to shut up. Okay, there we go. All right. So with that being said, <laughs> oh, this has been a joke off air too. With that being said, um, this is your first episode. First off, thank you for listening. Second off, if you really like this episode and you like our show and you want to go back and listen to our old episodes, you can go to your app store of choice and search for the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, which is the network that we are on. You can download the app and you can look for our show and listen to our old episodes. If you really like us and you want to support us, you can go to fightlefeast.com, click on the membership tab or button. I can't remember which one it is. Click this on to become a member and get yourself access to behind-the-scenes content and extra material, such as our other show, After the Sandwich. But make sure when you sign up, you sign up with the code PATRIARCHY. It goes to support our show and support the network. We very much appreciate it. And lastly, if you would like some patriarchy merchandise, go to confessionalware.com, click on the podcast collaboration tab, look for our show and buy yourself some shirts or a couple coffee mugs or some gifts for other people. Christmas is coming up. And yes, we celebrate Christmas. We'll probably do another episode on that. But go to confessionalware.com, click on the podcast collaboration tab and look for the patriarchy podcast and buy yourself some patriarchy swag. So until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, Repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. Patriarchy.